Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Election College, Episode 189, The Mexican-American War. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts... Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, we have danced all around this war. We have talked about it in the midst of multiple presidencies. We've talked about it in the midst of multiple elections. It's everywhere here in the mid-1800s. So let's, why don't we dive a little deeper into it and talk about the Mexican-American War. How did it happen? What what happened? Yeah, a lot of people don't know about this war. I mean, you kind of covered it in history class. Like, hey, California became a part of America and New Mexico too. And well, we all knew Texas was an independent country and their flag can fly at the same level as the American flag and all that. But yeah, this is all part of the ramifications of the Mexican-American War. You, you already told me something I didn't know. I didn't know that thing about the flag. You didn't know that? No. had no idea. Oh. No, no wonder you Texans have such big egos. You can do whatever you want with your flag. That's right. They can fly it as if it was a country. There's like 18 million different flags that have flown over Texas. Yeah. Not 18 million, but I think it's like Mexico, Spain, France... Texas, the Confederacy, the United States. Man. Yeah. Busy. They got one guy just changing the flags out. All the time. <laughs> it's like around here uh, where I'm where I'm at, we have, you know, Ohio and Kentucky and, you know, our most famous bridge, they, they fly the state flags over and they have to replace them every now and then. And, uh-huh. you know, it's an expensive thing because flags yeah. aren't cheap. The poor Texas people, man. Yeah. I don't know what they do. They probably have a museum just for flags. I would. The Texas Flag Museum. We should Google that. Huh, I'll forget. Yeah. Yeah, we'll forget it. Some hopefully hopefully the Texas Flag Museum will listen to this episode and shoot us <laughs> shoot us a message. Yeah. Retweet <laughs> us, please. <laughs> so Jason, in the early eighteen hundreds, Mexico, or the area to be known as Mexico, is kind of barren not barren but not really well populated and they uh they're owned by spain which you know that's that's why they have speak similar languages and spain lets go of them in 1821 and then there's some uh there's some dealings with france where they get involved with france and they get out of that too so mexico then is its own country and not real well organized, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's sort of a mess. And um, I just want to throw in another little, 
a little treat for everybody. You know what Texas means? What's it means that? Tejas, which means friendship. And we're not going to be talking about friendship in this episode because we're talking about war. Did I just give it away? That was really insightful. Oh, well, I think the title of the episode probably gave it away. Oh, okay. Yeah. So That's okay. Yeah. So nobody, ain't nobody living in Texas at the time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the Mexican government is like, hey, Americans, what do you think about coming over and taking up some settlement and we will promise to treat you well because why not? Because Texas means Tejas, which means friendship. So there were some changes that happened when Spain was no longer ruling Mexico. And one of the big things was is that the Spanish were financing subsidies to indigenous people to maintain peace. Well, when Mexico is in charge, that ends. And there's some conflict going on. And there are some wars that happen. There's the Comanche-Mexico Wars. And then there's the Apache-Mexico Wars. And this means that northern Mexico is a place that you don't want to hang out. So Mexico is, because of of the things that have transpired, they're not really well prepared uh, to deal with the different Native American tribes that are coming through. And uh, the, the Native Americans take advantage of this, and they're really kind of messing stuff up and messing up the uh, livestock and the, the trade patterns and everything of Texas and the United States and Mexico. And, well, we say they're messing them up, but I'm sure they definitely thought, this is ours. We're doing whatever we want with it. Uh, but that, of course, wasn't the way that the United States or Mexico saw things. So uh, they say, let's continue to expand. Let's continue to settle. Let's keep bringing in the U.S. citizens here into Texas or Tejas. And uh, things will things will be all right. And then Texas is like, well, we're going to be independent now. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, you know, you've got people like Stephen Austin and you've got Sam Houston and you remember the Alamo, right? Mm -hmm. And Mexico whipped up on the Americans. Well, I mean, sorry, the Texans who were really Americans, but you know, <laughs> they whipped up on them pretty bad. And, and we talked about that a little bit on the episode we did about Davy Crockett. But what you need to know is, okay, yeah, you might have gotten us, or I'm sorry, them at the Alamo, but these white settlers in Texas, they're not going to lose anymore. So Sam Houston remembers the Alamo, and what ends up happening is the Battle of San Jacinto happens, and, well, the Texans won independence. And there's a lot to say about that. And there's some really cool things, by the way, Ben. There's uh -huh. even a marker in France that talks about, like, it's kind of an embassy. I'll have to look that up sometime. But it's it's almost like Texas had an embassy in France and the United Kingdom because they recognize nice. Texas as an independent country. The country that did not recognize Texas as an independent country, though, was Mexico. Yeah, and... The United States is like, okay, well, we recognize you as a 
as a country of your own, but also, do you want to like be part of us? And Mexico's like, yeah, we kind of do, and we kind of don't. And a lot of people in the U.S. are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we, we've talked about this before. We don't want another slave state. And we know if if things go down in Texas, we're getting another slave state. So please, let's just hold off on this for a while. Yeah, so just a little recap. Mexico is a mess. <laughs> They're... <laughs> really a new independent country and not everybody is on board with it, but you know, it's still your country, I guess. The area in the North is sparsely populated, but you bring in a bunch of Americans to settle it. America is a little bit of a mess because you've got the South, which wants to expand slavery. You've got the North, that doesn't you've got the Whigs who have varying opinions about slavery whether it should be um, abolished altogether or just contained and you have Democrats who have issues as well so everybody is a mess basically going yeah, and into Mexico yeah, Mexico is really not in a place where they can uh, say what they want because like we've said they're a mess they've the the government is unstable at this time uh they don't want to have this conflict with the with the united states because the united states is like well we kind of want texas and mexico's like well we kind of want texas too so <laughs> there's really this constant tension for a while about who gets texas and texas is like hey we're just like by ourselves like we're a country leave us alone and it 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 creates lots of issues and we're going to dive in this, the results of some of those issues here. Yeah. So what you need to know is president Polk. Hey, we just talked about him. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. He really is all about manifest destiny. And that sounds like a beautiful thing. And as Americans, we, you know, we're like, well, of course America stretches from the Atlantic to the Pacific, but Polk was really big on this, and he was so big on it that in 1845, he's like, hey, Zachary Taylor, get over here. I mean, go to Texas, (laughs) and you and the army need to go and protect our new border, which is the Rio Grande with Mexico, and you need to protect it, and... We need to make sure that we have all of the land to the Pacific Ocean. And Polk writes the American Council in Alta, California, which is actually California. So while all of this is going on in Texas, California has its issues as well. Because you've got some French interests still going on out west a little bit. You have some major UK interest going on in the Pacific Northwest because, hey, California is a great place. So again, there's a lot that can be said about the intricacies of what was going on. But what you need to know is Polk really wants California too. Yeah. And so Polk sends Taylor, General Taylor, and a bunch of troops out to the Rio Grande. And the Mexicans 
are saying, hey, this is our territory. There was never an official territory kind of established for Texas. So like everybody has a different idea of where the border is, kind of like that neighbor that thinks your driveway is on his property. Uh, nobody really knows for sure, but everybody kind of has an opinion. And so the U.S. is like, well, the the border is the Rio Grande. And Mexico is like, well, the, the things you're basing this off of are stupid. So no, <laughs> Texas is still ours. And basically, uh, they tell Taylor, you need to withdraw. Taylor says, no, I'm going to build a fort instead. And Santa Ana takes all of his forces and starts preparing for war. And they get together a 2000 man cavalry to attack a patrol which is only 70 men, there's a, it's a U.S. patrol, there in the area of the Rio Grande. And they kill 11 soldiers, and things get nasty. So by 1846, the two countries are like, well, we don't really like you <laughs> to each other. They weren't saying that to themselves, although right. they were kind of saying that to themselves. But... <laughs> Mexico says we are fighting a defensive war because the Americans are invading our land. And 2,000 Mexican cavalry crossed into this disputed territory, which we fondly know as Texas all the way to California. So Mexico believes that they're totally justified in sending these 2,000 men into this disputed territory. Polk says, whoa, 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 wait a second. Mexico has passed the boundary of the United States. They've invaded our territory. So Congress, which is very much being influenced at the time by Southern Democrats, is like, you're absolutely right, Mr. President. We declare war. Let's do this thing. And... Just about everybody gets on board, except 14 Whigs. They're like, no way. This is a an issue of the Democrats trying to expand slavery. And probably the most notable no vote came from former president John Quincy Adams. It's kind of cool that he became a representative after the fact. I've always thought that was neat. Yeah. I mean, can you just imagine? Because, you know... Former presidents, they're venerated, I guess it would be the word, and uh -huh. you kind of can't touch this, you know, with them. I feel like I would definitely take their advice on stuff, because it's like, you know they know stuff you don't you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the cue. I, I would... He, they pretty much shut him down over and over again. Oh, yeah. Just keep coming back yep. again and again against slavery. It was resilient. So Mexico, they come back, and on May 23rd, so about 10 days after the U.S. did, uh, he comes out with this manifesto. Uh, they had previously said they were going to be fighting this defensive war, which Jason mentioned. So they, you know, we've kind of said, yeah, this is the start of the war, but Mexico officially declares war uh, on July 7th, 1846. And there's this guy, Santa Ana, we've, we've mentioned him before. Uh, once the U S declares war on Mexico, Santa Ana writes to the Mexican government and says, you know what? I used to want to be the president. 
uh, you know, I'm kind of a conniving guy. Now, I'm not, I don't want to be the president, but I've, I've got a lot of military experience, and I just want to help fight off the, the United States. I just want to, you know, really help out. And so the president, who, uh, he's a civilian, he'd never been a military guy, he didn't know Santa Ana, is like, you know what? You do know some stuff. I don't really like you, but sure, let's bring you in. <laughs> and Santa Ana is like, cool. Uh, by the way, I've also been um, talking with the U.S. And, you know, I, I, I told them, if you let me back into Mexico, that um, I'm going to make sure that they can have all their territory back at a reasonable price. And then he, he they just put him in charge of the army and he double crosses both of them. And he says, I'm the president. And nobody can stop me. Sorry. Man, you just wonder if those type of back room deals still happen. Oh, no, Jason. No, that, no. Would, that could never happen. Probably not. Yeah. But I, I, I want to interject some positive things here, some good sure. energy into this episode. Uh, there was a good bit of opposition to the war and reflecting back even decades later ulysses s grant looked back on this war and was like this was horrible we shouldn't have done this and done this by invading mexico or fighting mexico but there was there were a few other people besides the q who were against the war and uh, abraham lincoln he was serving in the house of representatives he was against this war Frederick Douglass, he saw it as the Southerners trying to expand slavery. And um, others like Joshua Giddings, um, he led a group of dissenters in Washington. He said that this war was a, quote, aggressive, unholy, and unjust war. And he voted against supplying soldiers and weapons. So could it be that there was opposition? No. No way. That's impossible. Uh, and of course, you know, you get the the fighting back kind of thing. Uh, the, people are, are arguing over, well, what spot did, you know, did people get shot upon? Uh, where was the bloodshed? Where did that happen? And there's just a, you know, a kind of a constant back and forth of, well, we didn't really have any right to get into this war. And yeah, we did. It's our job to get into this war and to continue to expand. And it sounds, yeah, sounds like it might be just this never ending discussion. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. One development of the 1830s and forties is that it became a lot cheaper for newspapers to be printed and distributed. And what ends up happening is there are pro war journalists out there on the field and they are producing flyers. They're giving accounts of what's happening. There are journalists who are against the war and they are distributing information out there about their opinions of what is happening. And for the first time, the American public is hearing from journalists instead of politicians. So this creates quite a shift that continues to this day, although some are trying to reverse that. But could it be that before 
the 1830s, politicians set the agenda. And then after the 1830s, the media set the agenda. It's possible. Hmm. That's a really good discussion, too, that we don't have time for it in this podcast. But a good discussion of, is it okay if media influences uh, opinions of the war and stuff like that? I mean, you would hope that they were reporting... Uh, the news as it should be or as it actually is. But we know that it's impossible to do so without any bias. So is it okay that there's meddling in wars? Does that keep people accountable? Um, Or does it make it so harder for people to do their jobs? Well, anyway, like I said, uh, a big discussion for another time probably. Right. And what ends up happening is you have people like Zachary Taylor and Winfield Scott, they become celebrities. And Ben, we mentioned this, I think you posed the question, how military leaders way back when seem to get more notoriety than they do even today. And this was the case because Zachary Taylor, well, there's all kinds of information being distributed about there about his successes in the war. Same with Winfield Scott. So could it be that a couple of presidential candidates come out of this? Of course. (laughs) Winfield Scott's another one we're going to do an episode on because he's interesting. That's, that's really the only reason just he's interesting. He's got a great name. That's, that's the only reason. Yeah. No. Lots of cool stuff about him. So what it comes down to is Mexico is outnumbered. I mean, The military is outnumbered. A lot of the cities are occupied by American troops, or I'm sorry, in this situation, I should say United States of American troops. And it's, it's known throughout the country that a lot of people are, have have different opinions. So different people in Mexico have different opinions, just like different people in the U S have different opinions. So, they sit down and they say, well, we should probably do a treaty. We should probably make sure that nobody else dies because of this. So the treaty gives uh, the United States undisputed control of Texas. And, hey, te- um, you know, we're not going to fight for it anymore. As a matter of fact, we'll make sure we know where the U.S. and Mexican border is. Uh, by the way, it's uh, near the you know the Rio Grande area. And... Okay, Mexico's also going to give up what we now know as California, Utah, New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado. (laughs) Uh, While we're at it, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Wyoming. And in return, Mexico gets $15 million, which is about $415 million today. And the funny thing is, or maybe the sad thing, I guess, uh, the U.S. previous to this had said... To Mexico, hey, we'll give you uh, about you know about double that, and Mexico said no, and so now after this war and all this money spent, people have died. They're like, okay, we'll take half of that. Then that's fine. <laughs> wow, what a bad deal. Yeah, <laughs> for Mexico, for you, sure. Yeah, definitely. And you know who else got a bad deal out of this? Like they didn't have much of a say. Was the Native Americans living in the territories? Yep. Because as Mexican, well, as people under Mexican rule, 
they were considered Mexican citizens. Well, when the United States took over, they were not considered U.S. citizens. As a matter of fact, the U.S. government didn't recognize these native people's citizenship until the 1930s. Yeah, crazy. Sad and crazy. So just to put it out there, we know you probably have guessed this. There's like a billion episodes we could do on this war. And we could do all the different battles and things like that. But really, we want to give you an overview of what was happening around the war, what kind of things influence uh, afterwards, because this is a podcast about uh, election history, in theory, at least. <laughs> we kind of, you know, dive off into bunny trails. And uh, one thing is that the war, the Mexican-American War, really had a big impact in the United States. And of course, you know, anytime you get a bunch of new land and you make some victories and stuff, you get a huge surge of patriotism. And this, you know, encourages the belief in manifest destiny. And it just really makes people proud. Most people, at least. Uh, there are a lot of people who are still against the way that this happened and, you know, see it as taking advantage of a, of a poorer, um, less able to fight country. And it created a lot of divisions, too, which end up kind of uh, pushing their way towards the Civil War a little more. Yeah. So when we, just a few episodes, mentioned how James K. Polk was probably the most influential, least known <laughs> president, it's very true. Because if Polk wouldn't have been so diehard on acquiring these lands it's possible that the Southwest United States would look a whole lot different than it does today. And Mexico would probably look a lot different than it does today. And it's possible, dare we say, that the Civil War might have been fought a lot differently, if at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and maybe not as soon. And uh, yeah, it just, it could be really interesting for sure. That'd be a cool alternate history thing that, of course, we'll never do, but... Uh, somebody else should. <laughs> yeah. If the Mexican War had never been fought, what would have happened? Well, Zachary Taylor probably would have never been president. That's true. 4-1. So, that's a lot lot of postulating we can do. I've used a few big words in this episode. <laughs> hey, you know one word that everybody needs to know? Review. Yes. So, if you would... Head over to iTunes because that's where the reviews really count. And if you would, go to electioncollege.com slash iTunes or electioncollege.com slash review. It'll take you to the same place. If you would, take about 38.6 seconds to leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. And we enjoy interacting with you in other ways on our social media especially uh you can go to twitter facebook and instagram look up election college you can do at election college and find us uh we like to have conversations send us cool links about little known bits of election or presidential history or you know just history in general is fun too and uh you know we'll try to hit you back with some stuff yeah we will see you next time here at election college This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.